praise the sun. Man, it's exciting to be with you guys this morning. I'm pumped. Uh, for those who may not know, my name is Javon. I'd be one of the pastors here at Christ Church. I'm the one yelling, screaming, uh, sweating, a little bit of everything you can imagine. Uh, but I'm excited to serve with you guys this morning. Got a couple of announcements before we jump right into the worship. I'm sorry, we'll jump right into the message. We just worship. But I'm going to jump right into the message. Uh, but uh, a couple of things I want to say. Thank you to all of you guys who showed up and hanged out with us for our Christmas party we had last week. Man, we had more people than I was expecting. I was like, man, only like 10 people are going to come. Like, bro, 35 people came, hung out with us. I ate a lot of food. I threw up after. Like, it was awesome. Like, you know, reminded me of college. It was awesome. <laughs> but it was a great time. And I, I'll never forget, somebody came up to me and said, Thank you for this. I needed this. Uh, and and it, I, didn't, it didn't, I didn't really grasp what they were saying, but what they were saying was, I need a community. You know, friends, I don't know if you know, but you are at your best self with community. Right? You, your best version of yourself happens with other people, especially other people that love God. Right? And I, I just want to let you guys know, man, one thing that we want to do is always create opportunities for those moments in community to happen. So if you are looking for those opportunities and moments, make sure you check us out either on the website or emails or social media, whatever it may be, so you can keep up to date on what is going on. Also, next week, we're going to be having the Lord's Supper. We're going to be doing that during the 930 service. So if you want to be, uh, uh, be at the Lord's Supper, come and hang out with us next week uh, for uh, uh, the Lord's Supper. It's going to be a great, great time. Also, you guys know Christmas Eve is coming. It's right around the corner. Christmas is coming right around the corner. Has everybody done all the shopping? Who's done all the shopping? That yeah, me neither. I'm going to put my hand down. I don't even do the shopping. It's the wife. If she's watching right now, she's like, he doesn't do anything. So, but, uh, uh, but hey, want to remind you guys, our Christmas Eve uh, services. So on December 23rd, we're going to be gathering here for our candlelight service. That's at 7 p.m. All right, 7 p.m. Also, the next day, Christmas Eve, we're going to be having just our normal 9.30 and 11 o'clock services. Here's one thing we're asking you. We're asking you because we're, expe we're expecting to have over 200 people here that day, right? We're, we're expecting that. God has been blessing this, y'all. I don't know if you guys know this. God has been blessing this. He has been faithful. So with that being said, obviously you guys know we're handicapped over here with our parking lot. So... If you could, if you are able and willing, if you could uh, somehow maybe potentially park on the street um, uh, so we can be able to leave open uh, the parking lot for people, especially new people, uh, to, to come and to hang out with us. If you're new today, we want to say thank you guys for being here. We love you. We're thankful for you. I also want to shout out, where's Carmen? Carmen, 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 I'm calling you. I want to shout out my friend Carmen. Carmen runs our women's bilingual life group. And <laughs> and here's the reason why I'm shouting her out is because there was, they had a night where like God was moving profoundly. And you know, it just reminded me one more time, man, if you're not part of a life group, you gotta be part of one, right? Uh, good things happen in life groups. 
a change happens in life groups. Uh, and, and I want you guys to know, man, one thing we want to do here at Christ Church is, is we have these groups for the sake of growing more and more in our lives. There's one thing you and I need to do is to grow up. <laughs> Somebody said yes. <laughs> is the one thing we need to do? We need to grow. We need to mature. And the one way we find that is through our community. I want to thank our friend Carmen and all our other life group leaders who are in this room today or maybe watching online who lead a group, who are faithful with it. I just want to say thank you guys. We love you. We appreciate you. Uh, before we jump into the, uh, to the message, will you bow your heads with me and let's pray. Dear Father, we thank you. We thank you for your goodness and your grace. But Jesus, I want to say that we are desperate for you today. We are desperate for you because you alone have the words for eternal life. You alone are, are good. You're a good king. You're a good savior. You save and you do the things that need to be done in our lives. Today, Father, I pray that you would speak to your children. You have given me a word, Lord. But, Lord, I pray that they don't hear me. I pray that they hear you through me. Lord, I, I pray that you would speak to the, to, the, to the woman in this room today that's wandering in her faith. I pray that you would speak to the young man today who feels weak and lonely and struggling. I pray that you speak to the couple and their marriage isn't where it needs to be. I pray that you speak to young parents today, that you give them hope. Pray that you speak to every heart today in a certain way. And Lord, once again, Lord, will you communicate your beautiful word through me. So Lord, I get out of the way and I open my heart for your spirit to work in this moment. We love you. But most importantly, Jesus, we need you. We need you to intervene in all parts of our lives. Not in some ways, but in all ways. Lord, we need you to intercede in every moment and do your good work there. Lord, we love you, and we thank you, and we honor you. To your son's perfect name is who we pray. Amen, amen, and amen. Woo! Got through those announcements, huh? Announcements take a lot out of you. Well, hey, today what we're going to do is we're going to be uh, continuing but also ending our sermon series that we've been in for the last couple of weeks, uh, the sermon series called. And what we've been trying to do is we've been trying to seek what is God calling us to do. You know, there's so many things we ask God out of God, but we want to ask God, what do you want out of me? Right? That's, that's, what, that's been our prayer is, God, what do you want from me? There's so many times where we go to God and we say, you know, God, we want this and God, we want that. Okay, God, well, what do you want from us? And we've been working through that, uh, through this series, and really what we're doing also today, we're kind of combining series that, we're, uh, a new sermon series we're starting next week, and that sermon series is titled All Hail the King. We're excited for that one. That sermon series is all about, obviously, you know, the King himself, and uh, we want to kind of help uh, uh, shape and, and realign our thinking of what Christmas actually means and what it actually is meant for us to do. Because there's one thing we want you guys to know is that, that Christmas is, is, is meant to give us, remind, it's meant to remind us of Christ, but it's also meant for us to respond from Christ as well too, right? There, there, there's something you do with your mind and there's got to be something you do with your heart, right? Your, your actions have got have to match your thinking, 
right? Your thinking have got to match your action. So, so that's what we're going to be doing in the, in the series, All Hail the King. So come out and hang out with us. It's going to be a very great time. So I watched a video a couple days ago from this uh, former Green Beret. If you know what uh, Green Beret is, they're just guys who were in the Army. Pretty much they're guys you don't want to mess with. All right, there are guys, if you see them on the street, you're walking on the other side, right? They can take you down in like literally two seconds without a weapon. These are some serious grade A, you know what. These guys are awesome. Well, this former Green Beret, he was speaking in his interview, and you can kind of tell, you can kind of tell he was very grumpy. Uh, you can kind of tell as he's talking in his tone, he's very upset, and he, he, he's talking, and he's saying all these things, and then he gives a list of, uh, of things that he wanted to share on this podcast that he was on. And he called it the, 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 the Seven Uncomfortable Truths of Life. Now, this Green Beret, he's a little older. Uh, he, he's probably, like, you know, in his late 60s, and, and, and he's talking to, uh, trying to communicate to a young crowd. Uh, but he said these amazing things. Now, really, there was nine of them. The other two were really, really inappropriate. They're not church appropriate. So I just say, you know what, I'm not going to say those. But he had seven things that I thought were very interesting, and I wanted to share them with you. Number one, he says this. Look at what he says. He says, a salary is a drug your employer gives you to forget your dreams. And I was like, ooh, hold on, wait a minute. Like, that makes me want to think about my life a little bit differently. Hold on, what, what do you mean? Like, you know, I never thought about it like that, right? That's, that's, that's strong language, bro. Like, what are you, what are you getting at? I gotta, what, is, what, is, what does that mean? And then he says this, number two, he says, if you continue to wait for the right time, you will waste your entire life and nothing will happen. That's very biblical, right? If you continue to wait for the right time and, and all of that, he, say, he says, you're, you're going to waste your life. Number three, this all gets better and better, so let you know. It's literally like a roller coaster. It just goes up, up, and up. Here we go. Number three, you will lose 99% of your close friends if you start upgrading your life. Whoo, right? I was like, oh, that, that's kind of makes sense. Like, I, man, I, I never thought about that. You start making moves, people are not moving with you, right? You start making changes, people are not changing with you. And I, I was like, oh, man, this, this guy's really, I mean, the whole interview has been like real bland up to this point. He's got my attention with all of these points because they all make sense. Listen, number four, before you put up number four, don't put up number four yet. Number four will change your life. You're going to look at this and be like, dang, like that's all I needed to hear today. That's what Jesus wanted me to, that's what Jesus wanted me to hear today. Put up number four. Here we go. You will be ten times happier if you forgive your parents and stop blaming them for your problems. Keep that up there for them. Just, just did that there. I, we can sit in silence right now. Just read that thing. Y'all can just stare at it. I was, now that spoke directly to me. I was like, it's so true. Right? That's, that's half the reason why I'm in counseling right now. Like, it's so true. <laughs> so true. Uh, you know, it makes sense. Number five, you become more mature when you, when you train yourself to, uh, to take nothing personally. I like that one. That was a good one. That was a good one. You, yeah, you become more mature when you train yourself to take nothing personally because I'm a sensitive boy. All right? You say one thing to me, I'm crying the next minute. Calling my wife, and she's like, shut up, softy. Quit taking things so personally. And get home and bring me some McDonald's fries, all right, you know? <laughs> Number six, 
You don't need a hundred self-help books. Amen. You don't need a a hundred self-help books. All you need is action plus self-discipline. Man, I was like, this guy is spitting fire right now. And number seven, if you aren't careful, complaining becomes your occupation. Right? These are uncomfortable truths. If you if you were reading those, you probably felt a little uh in your in your body, right? You probably felt a little oh man, like that's so true. That speaks directly to me, right? Because these are uncomfortable truths, right? Sometimes truth is uncomfortable, right? Sometimes the truth isn't what you always want to hear, right? Ask my spouse. Just so many times she tells me, you know, I cleaned the house last night. I don't know if you guys know I clean sometimes, you know. I get out the vacuum. You ever heard of it before? It's pretty awesome. Gets up all the mess of the kid, gets all the kids mess up. And, you know, she goes on and she's like, uh, thanks for cleaning the house, but you forgot to do this. I'm like, hey, did you not see that I cleaned though? Like, can I just get credit for that? Like, come on now. Like, why are you not giving me the love that I deserve at this moment? And she was trying to give me the truth. But here's what I want you to do, friend. Here's, here's what I want you to know. There's a, uh, here, here's, a, here's a comforting truth for each and every one of you guys. Here's the truth that I, I want you guys to, to walk out of here knowing and believing and accepting and receiving and walking in. The comforting truth is that God loves you. Here's the comforting truth of Christmas today. God loves you. God cares for you. God desires to bless you. God desires to lead you. God desires to be good to you. That's the comforting truth that we need to cling on today, that God loves you, friends. Now, here's the thing. I think there's a couple reasons why a lot of us, when we hear God loves you, it's become a little bland. We become a little cold to it. Because a lot of us think, well, God should love me. I'm perfect, aren't I? I get it right all the time. I I never say anything I shouldn't be saying. I never think anything that I shouldn't be thinking of, right? I get it right all the time. Of course Jesus should love me. It's all about me. Have you seen me? Right? Or, or maybe, maybe, maybe if you're like me, maybe, maybe you have a hard time connecting to God's uh, uh, love for you because of your circumstances in your life. Right? Maybe, maybe you've looked at your circumstances. Maybe you looked at your life and you define your life by what's going on outside of you. Right? Maybe you're the person that, that, that you relate to God based off the flow of your life, right? You, you relate to God based off who likes you, right? You relate to God based off if you get your way. Lord knows I love to get my way. I'm a very, very selfish man, amen? Don't say amen, okay? That's not for you to say amen. That was a test, Paul, and you failed, Right? So many times, so I can't tell you how many times so many people, uh, their relationship with God is, is always built off how their life is going, right? They, they always do that. And I can understand that. And I, and, and, and I, and I sympathize with that, right? But if you want a true understanding of what God's love looks like, Christmas is what that is all about. You, if you and I want a true connection to God's love, listen, friends, God's love isn't when he gives you everything you want, right? Because, not listen, not every father gives his children everything. Fathers in the house, can I get an amen? Nope. All right, thank you. No fathers in the house? All right, cool. 
So, <laughs> so, 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 what we need to understand is God's love isn't based off uh, of the things that He does for us in our lives and how our lives are going. God's love, if you want to connect to God's deep love for your life, a love that awakens you to joy, a love that awakens you to confidence. Anybody need a little bit more confidence today? Anybody need a little bit more joy? Anybody need a little bit more peace? A, a love that awakens us to all those great qualities. Friends, if you want to connect to God's great love, then you need to look to Jesus Christ. Right? Then you, you and I, we need to not look to our lives. Right? We, we looked at the wrong places for God's love. We need, not, we need not to look at how far we are in our career. Right? Listen, the greatest expression of God's love for you was when he sent his son for you. It's the greatest expression of God's love. Ever since you were born, you came out of the womb starving for love, right? Starving for love, and, and that began to grow, and that began to mature, and here you are now in your 20s or 30s or 40s or wherever you are, and you're still a longing for love and friends, the love that you and I are looking for is in a cradle. It's found in the cradle. It was found in the cradle and then eventually made its way to the cross. Right? So, friends, I, what I want to do is I want, I want you to connect this week. I want you and I to do a better job at understanding our circumstances doesn't define God. But because he sent Christ... Well, that defines his great love for you and I. Life may be hard right now. I get it. You may be struggling. Don't Listen, don't raise your hands, but a lot of us are struggling, right? Financially, personally, relationally, everything, right? We're all struggling. But guess what, friends? The struggle doesn't define how much God loves you because God loves you whether you're struggling or you're not struggling. On your good days and on your bad days, right? And, and the one thing we need, the greatest gift of Christmas, is God's love for you and I today. That's the great gift, right? That's the, because sometimes I can spend most of my relationship with God just, you know, God, I, I really only need you to help me accomplish some task in my life, right? God, I, I just need you. Hey, listen, God, can you, can you help the church grow, Right? Can you, can you help the church grow? Can you, can you help us to baptize 20 more people? God, can, can you do this? Can you do this in my life? And really the true connection to God is the connection to his heart and find his love. Friends, God loves you. I've been reading this book called Healing the Masculine Soul. If you're a guy in the room today, if you're a guy in the room, to, in the room today, you need to read that book. This book is all about how, how, how men have a hard time with emotions. Uh, the book is, is, a, is a book that uh, men have a hard time with, with love, right? If there's one thing men have a hard time saying to their spouse or saying to someone else that I love you, right? But, but in this book, it, it talks about that most of, most of men's or, or young men or older men's problems stems from their own childhood in their lives. Right? It talks about how their childhood was, uh, was, wasn't the, the best and they didn't have the greatest father and they didn't have the, the most loving and comforting mother and, and whatnot. But, but the one thing that I love about this book, what I love about this book is when you meet Jesus Christ, 
when you encounter Jesus Christ, you learn how to love again. I love that. He says, he says one encounter with Jesus opens you up from the wounds and the scars that you have in your life, from the brokenness of your father, from the disrespect of your family. Jesus Christ awakens you to love. How beautiful is that? How, how, how amazing. Jesus Christ awakens you and I to love. And if you're, if you're a guy in this room today, if you don't have that book, I'm telling you it's a great book. Maybe I'll do a class on that book uh, uh, to study in the future. But today we're going to be studying Galatians chapter 4. If you have your Bibles, Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. Now, this is one of my favorite passages in the New Testament. This is also a, a passage that if, if, if I wasn't careful, I could spend the next 20 hours on. It's got that much depth. It's got that much information, right? But what we're going to do, we're just, we're just going to focus on more of the themes of what this passage is trying to communicate to you and I. Uh, what this passage is trying to get us to, 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 to think about and for, for us to feel as well. So let's go ahead and read Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. Let's go ahead and read. It says this, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son. Sounds a lot like Christmas, doesn't it? When the fullness of time had come, or some of your Bibles might say, in, in the time of completion, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who, are, who, who were under the law so that, he, so that they might receive adoptions as sons. And because you are sons, God sent his spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Verse 7, so... You are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir, an heir through God. I love this particular passage. And one thing, the reason why I love this passage, because this passage talks about God's heart, right? It talks about the depths of what God is like, right? It talks about the depths of God's great plan for this world and for our lives. I don't know if you've noticed in, in verse 4, bring up verse 4 for them one more time. I don't know if you noticed in, in verse 4, he says, when the fullness of time had come. Now, by the time Paul is writing this letter, Jesus has already uh, 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 been born, lived, died, and ascended to heaven, right? So Paul is writing this afterwards. But what Paul is actually doing is he's going all the way to Christmas Day. Right? He's going all the way to the birth of Jesus. And he's talking about, uh, about the context of everything that was going on at that time when Christ had come. So you got to remember the Jewish people were waiting for God's great promise. The Jewish people, they were waiting for what they called a Messiah, whom God had promised a long time ago. Right? We're talking all the way from, from Adam and Eve to Noah, all the way to Abraham, all the way to, 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 to Isaac and Jacob, to David, to the prophets. God had been promising someone would come. And what would that person come to do? He would come to redeem the people. That's what, that's what God promised. Right? Listen, God was solving humanity's great problem. 
And, and, and listen, God's answer to humanity's great problem was Jesus. Right? God's, God's solution for humanity's great problem was Jesus Christ. So they were promising. And in this time, they were deeply waiting for Jesus. They were deeply waiting for a Messiah. Now, I want you to read this quote by this, this guy. Actually, I took his class in one of my college courses. His name is Warren Wiersbe. He's a Baptist theologian. I actually got to meet the guy, really sweet guy. Uh, his breath stank, but really sweet guy, really nice. And, and he said this in one of his books that we had to read for his classes. And he said this. He says, the Roman world was in great expectation, waiting for a deliverer. At the time Jesus was born, old religions were dying. The old uh, uh, philosophies were empty and powerless to change men's lives. Strange and new mystery religions were invading the empire. He says religious bankruptcy and spiritual hunger were everywhere. I love that last part. He says people were hungry, right? People were starving, right? Does not not describe our world today? Our, our, the world today, people are hungry for Jesus. They just try to find Jesus in their relationship with their boyfriend or girlfriend. People are hungry for Jesus. People are hungry to be satisfied. You and I, we're, we're hungry to feel completed. You and I, we're, we're hungry to feel accepted. We're, we're hungry for that. The problem is we find our meal and everything else that's not at the dinner table with Jesus. Right? Right? The world is starving for Jesus. You and I, we are starving for a deliverer. Right? Especially in times like today. Some of us are saying, come, Lord Jesus, come. <laughs> right? But, but, but it, it speaks to humanity's heart, doesn't it? That you and I long for God. Ever since you were born, if you, were, ever since you, if you have a young child, your child is deeply deep inside, they are longing for God. Right? They just find it first in their parents, and then they find it in their friends, and then they try to find it in whatever career. But, but eventually, they realize that everything they try to find God in is powerless and is empty. But Jesus came to, so that you and I may find true satisfaction in this world today. That's why Christ came. So what Paul is doing, and Paul says the fullness of time, he's trying to say there was a time God promised. God promised. God had been making so many promises to, to the people of Israel that, that one day a deliverer will come. And guess what? That day happened. So what does Christmas teach us? What does this passage teach us? If you take it down notes, write this down. Christmas is a reminder that God is trustworthy. Christmas is a reminder that God is trustworthy, friends. I just got done reading a, um, an article. I read a lot of stuff and watch a lot of videos. I'm always on my phone. makes my wife upset. But anyway, I was watching this video uh, about this guy. who He wrote about that, that, that one of the deepest traumas you and I were ever experienced in our lives <coughs> is, when, uh, is when other people disappoint us. He says disappointment is a true trauma. Especially if it's from a loved one, especially if it's from a parent, especially if it's from a spouse, especially if it's from our children. 
He says, you and I, he, he says that, that, the, that the, the thing you and I were most struggle with is when you and I experience failure from other people. Now, now, now let's pause for a second. Haven't we experienced that a lot in our lives? That people have failed us, right? Right? That, that people say they were do something, but they didn't do it. Or you had hoped and you had given them t- uh, chance after chance to make up for whatever it may be, but they still failed. I, I, I love what the article says. It says, one of, the, one of the hardest things Jesus has to do in your heart is to heal your trauma. Right? He says, one of, one of, the, one of the hard things that's going to have to happen is that you and I would be healed from what our dads did, from what our moms didn't do, from what our, our siblings did, from a past marriage. But well, he says, one of the, it's, it's going to be hard for you and I to heal from that trauma, right? Right? And, and he goes on, he also says in the article, he says, one of the reasons why people have a hard time relating to God is because of other people's brokenness. I found that as, a, as an interesting correlation, right? He says, one of the reasons why we have a hard time trusting God is because people have failed us, right? Because, because people have, uh, have let us down, right? And disappointment is real. It stinks. It's hard, right? So you hear about this great God who you cannot see, right, who, who can, you cannot touch, right? And, 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 and people have a hard time relating with him because of their relationships in their lives. But you know what Christmas teaches us, friends? Christmas teaches us that God is better than we ever can expect. Christmas teaches us that he is trustworthy. Why? Because he promised a deliverer. He promised a savior. He promised of one who will change the world, turn the world right side up, not upside down, right side up. He promised that, that, that a deliverer would come, and he fulfilled that promise. And guess what, friends? God's not uh, done fulfilling promises today. Right? This isn't a one-time thing where you're like, all right, that was cool, that was cute, you know. He sent his son, but what about my life? Guess what, friends? God is still fulfilling promises today. God is still being faithful today. God is still reminding you and I that, that, that yes, we can't trust a lot of people, but the one thing we can trust is our God in heaven. That, yes, that there are people that will fail us. Yes, there are people that will let us down. Yes, your spouse will lie to you. Your kids will, will turn their backs on you. But there is a God in heaven who promises you that he will never, ever run dry on you. Right? If you need a, listen, if you need a reason to trust God, look at Jesus. Look at Jesus. Don't look at your circumstance because it won't work. It won't help. Right? It'll make you question God even more. But if you want to understand God's great love... And why you can trust him, look to his son, Jesus Christ. That's what Paul's trying to teach us. When the fullness of time had come, God was faithful to his promises. So what does this teach us about God's heart? Number one, it teaches us this. God is a promise maker and a promise keeper. Right? God is a promise maker and a promise keeper. If you're taking down notes, write this down. Write down this number, 8,810. Write it down. 8,810. That's how many promises God makes in the Bible. That's how many promises God makes in the Bible. Right? And guess how many of those were fulfilled? 8,000. 
810. 8,810. And guess what God's going to not do? Fail at what he promised you today. Right? You don't believe me? Let's open up to Isaiah 43. Open up to Isaiah 43. Look at what he says in Isaiah 43. Uh, Isaiah says, but you, Israel, my servant, Jacob, whom I have chosen, the offspring of Abraham, my friend, you whom I took from the ends of the earth and called from the farthest corners, saying to you, you are my servant. I have chosen you and not cast you off. Verse 10 is my favorite verse. Listen to this. Fear not, God's favorite language for you, right? Says it over 360 times in the Bible. Stop worrying. Don't be afraid. Do not be dismayed. Fear not. Look at what he says. Fear not, for I am with you. That's a promise, friends, right? Right. Listen, this was said 700 years before Jesus. Guess what? It's still as relevant today as it was when it was written. So when God says, I will be with you, guess what he, what, what he means by that? I'm going to be with you, right? right? Right. People may leave. People may run. People may turn. But I'm not going anywhere. I'm before you, and I'm behind you, and I'm in you. I will be with you. This is the great truth of Christmas. He says, fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am the Lord your God. I will strengthen you, and I will help you. What is that promise? God promised you that he will give you his power. He promises you that he will give you his strength. He promises you that he will give you help. And he goes on, he says, and I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. God says, I promise to provide for you too. I promise to provide for you. See, Christmas is not meant for you and I just to come to church and invite someone and look nice and get all excited and uh, have a tree and all of that. That stuff is fine. I'm not saying that that stuff is bad. But I am trying to say is Christmas is meant to remind you of why you trust God in the first place. Why you trust him in the first place. But not only why you trust him, but you can, listen to this, listen to this. You can continue to trust him. You can continue to trust him, right? right? You can continue to, to trust him. And if you can continue to trust him, well, friends, what does that give you and I? It gives us confidence. Because it's the joy and the peace that we are starving and looking for. <clears throat> Number two, God is wise. He said the fullness of time had come, right? The fullness of time had come. Some of you don't realize in this passage when, when, when Jesus came to this earth, it was like literally perfect timing, right? There were so many things that were working uh, in, in Israel's favor. Like, like you, you have no one. Like, for instance, when Jesus was born, Rome was the, 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 the superpower at the time. And Rome had opened up all these roads that weren't there before. But guess what? After Jesus died and ascended, those roads became a, a, a footpath for people to spread the gospel. Like, you have no idea. It's crazy, like, G, like God knew when to send Jesus. And guess what God knows how to do in your life? To take care of you, right? He knows what's best for you. He's wise. You, you and I are not very wise. Look, how, look at where we're at today. Look at where we're at emotionally. Look at where we're at spiritually. Look at where we're at mentally. Look at where we're at financially. We're not very wise, but we have a God who is wise, who is wise, and he knows what he is doing. Can I remind you one more time today? Whoever needs to hear this, 
God knows what he's doing. God knows what he's doing in your marriage. It's hard. It's tough. I get it. Marriage isn't easy. Can I get an amen from married folks? Marriage, marriage is hard. Listen, raising kids. My Lord, I can spend a whole sermon on that one. Raising these little toddlers. They're horrible. I mean, I'm sorry. Did I not say that? I'm sorry. Cut my mic if, I, if you need to. Listen, man, I had to watch the kids all day yesterday by myself. You're like, oh, you know, what about your wife? Shut up. But, um, I mean, I was tired by the end of the day. You ever, you ever got done putting the kids to bed and you just flop on the couch? Yeah, you just flop on the couch. You don't, you don't turn on TV. You don't look at your phone. You just stare like, right? And you, just, and, and you start to question, you're like, why did we have kids to begin with? I could have just visited my niece and nephews and got my kid fixed and then went back home with no kids. Right? Right? But here's the one thing I want you to understand, friends. There's times in our lives where we begin to question God's motives, as we said, because of what's going on in our lives. But here's one thing I want you to realize. God is so wise that he knows what's best for you. And sometimes God is so wise, he'll say no to the thing that you want, to, that you want for him to do. Right? You, you do know God says no, right? You do know that. Let's not act like God just fulfills all your prayers and all your wants and all your desires. No. Sometimes God's like, that's not good for you. Hey, that relationship that you keep running back to, it's not good for you, bro. Stop going back to that. Hey, that career that you think you want is actually going to draw you further from me. So I'm a good father who's going to stop it right there so you can be in a position where you can continue to stay close to me. That's what sometimes God would do. He's that wise, right? He's that wise. Number two, I mean, uh, number three, I'm sorry. God is generous, right? God's a generous God. Let's, 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 let's quote this verse together. You guys ready? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. God gave. God is super generous, friends. Listen, and he's not done giving, right? He, 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 listen, Jesus is, listen, God is the source of your blessing, right? And, and God wants you and I to flourish. He desires for, for you and I to flourish. So he's a great giver of things, right? One of my favorite passages is in James chapter, chapter 1. And James says, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask God. Who gives generously. We have a generous God, right? Who wants to give you the things that you need for your life. Number four, God is sovereign. God is sovereign. Sovereign means nothing more than just God controls the beginning to the end and also the middle, right? God is in control of, of every part of history. As a matter of fact, it's, it's been famously said, it's history is his story, right? It's been famously said that history is, is his story. And, and so God is, is in control of, of all the events. God uh, made sure that when he promised Abraham a son, he gave him a son. And then that son had another son. And then that son had another son. And it kept going and going and going and going until, until the ultimate son would come and redeem and to fulfill. Listen, that was all God orchestrating Everything that happened the way it needed to happen. Right? 
That, that was literally God saying, guess what? I'm going to make sure this and anything evil that tries to threaten it, I'm going to take it out. Right? Listen, Satan tried to tempt me. Satan tried to, tried, tried to have Jesus dead in the womb. Guess what? I'm going to get it out. Right? So what does that tell us? God is sovereign in controlling the events for your life. Right? You do know he knows your tomorrow before you even hit tomorrow. You do know that. He knows your 2024 before you even have one day in 2024. Right? And if he's trustworthy and he's in control, then guess what, friends? We got nothing to worry about. We got nothing to worry about. He's orchestrating all these events. One last thing before we close, because it's 1020, and listen, your brother's been preaching long lately. I've been getting a lot of emails like, hey, pastor, love your preaching, but shut it up quick, you know. I'm not going to name any names, but they are in the room. Um, <laughs> let's look at what Paul says back in Galatians 4. He says this. The fullness of time has come. God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born of the law, to redeem those who were under law. Listen to what he says after this. He says, so that they might receive adoption as sons. So I'm going to teach you a little something. Uh, in Roman, adop uh, Roman adoption, there was a practice. Uh, if you were someone who, had, uh, who, who were, was, was very wealthy and you wanted to share your inheritance but you didn't have children, uh, what you can do, according to Roman practice, what you can do is you can go out and choose anybody you want, right? Choose anybody you want. And the person, if you chose them, listen to the words that I'm about to say because it's going to connect to you very clear in just a little bit. You will go out and choose someone, and if that someone has any debt that needs to be paid off, that person would wipe the debt away. What does that remind you of? Right? That person would wipe the debt away. And not only would they choose them, would they wipe the debt away, but watch this, friends. Watch this. Not only would they choose them and wipe the debt away, they would also give them a new name. Because in Roman culture, I mean, that's what happens in adoption, right? In American adoption, your last name usually changes, right? But in Roman culture, your first name changed, right? So here's what Paul is trying to get us to understand. This is called the doctrine of adoption. When you and I come to Christ, when you and I believe in Christ, when you and I are, are accepted by Christ, you and I are given a new name, right? You've been, listen to this. You've been called a lot of names in your life, haven't you? Right? Listen, I, I, can, I can sit down and have another sermon about how many things people have called me, right? People may call you a, a, a failure. People may call you an addict. People may call you a lost cause. But you want to know what your father calls you? Son and daughter, because that's your name in heaven. That's your name in heaven. That's your name in heaven. He knows you by name. He knows you as son and daughter. Because here's the thing. Christ came to give you and I a new identity. He came to give you and I a new identity. So many times when we talk about Jesus and we talk about uh, the church, we often just say, well, Jesus came to die for our sin, which is completely true, which is what we completely believe in which is where we completely will stand on, on that truth, on that hill all day long. But not only did Jesus come to deliver you from sin, he also came to present you to your father. Right? Jesus came not just to take away the debt, but to give you a new name. To give you a new name, friends. 
so that you can live not as a failure, that you can live not from your past, so that you can live not from what dad didn't do, but so you can live like a son and daughter. Because Jesus is the standard and the source of who you are. Who you are is based off whose you are. That's the reality. You are a son and a daughter. You belong to him. Christmas reminds us we have a new identity in Christ. Right? We have a new, we have a new life, a new way of thinking, a new way of living, a new way of relating, a new way of loving. We have a new life. That's what Christmas reminds us of. Let me close with these five questions. Number one, is your life marked by the love of God in Christ? Meaning this, are you living from the love God has given you in your life? Number two, do you live knowing God is in control and he's wise? Right? Are you like me? The moment something happens that you don't like, you freak out. It, it, you, that, this means yes, this means no, so does everybody do yes? Right? The, the moment something doesn't happen the way that you want to, you, you begin to be like, oh, Lord, what's going to happen? And I get that, and it's a natural thing. But because God is controlled and wise, we don't have to stay there. Right? We don't have to stay worried. We, we don't have to stay, stay fearful because we know God is in control and he's wise. Number three, do you know God will never fail on his promises? Listen, friends, God will never fail you. He will never fail you. Right? He would, listen, he didn't fail Israel, and he's not going to start with you. He didn't fail your, your, your family generations and, and them believing in Jesus and them waiting and trusting in him. He's not going to start with you. Right? You know God would never, uh, would never fail on his promises. Where do you find your confidence and joy? That's a good question to ask. What, gives you, what makes you feel alive? What, what makes you feel alive the most? Is it, that, is it the fact that God loves you? That God calls you his son and daughter? Right? God calls you his? Where do you find your confidence and joy? Number five, last one. Do you see yourself as God sees you? Do you see yourself as God sees you? One of the hardest things we can ever do in this world is to not connect to the great identity Christ has given you and I today. One of the great shames and the great sorrows of this world is when we disconnect from God. Because when you disconnect from God, you, just, you disconnect from life. When you disconnect from God, you disconnect from real love. When you disconnect from God, you're just running through this world trying to find an identity. Running through this world trying to find acceptance and trying to find someone to just look at you. But Jesus says, I already see you. In your mind. Now go and live like that. Go and live like that in your life. Let's pray. Dear Father, we love you. We thank you. We thank you for the awesome reminder, Jesus. We thank you for the awesome reminder that you are good. We thank you for the awesome reminder that you not only came to bear sin, but you came to present us to the Father. So that we may stand before him. The greatest joy of our lives is the nearness of God. The greatest joy of our lives is to be close to God. So would you please help me today? Would you please help us today? Would you give us a sense of your great love in our lives? Not by 
looking at the things uh, outwardly, but we would look to your son, Jesus Christ. We would look to the son, and there we would find the true source of love, and that love would awaken within us all sorts of things today, Father. Help us to not be people who draw our source from uh, activities or relationships, but rather it comes from you. Lord, you're wise. You're generous. You're a great blesser. You're sovereign. You're the leader of my life. Lord, I can't lead myself. I'm not a great leader. But you are the best leader. So, Lord, I pray that you would lead my family. You would lead this church. You would lead my soul. <clears throat> you would lead us in this world. Father, help us to not look to the world to give us what only you can give us. Security. A hope. A future. In your son's perfect name is who we pray. Amen.